Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But notice verse 2, he says, But leave out the court, which is the, on the outside of the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. I'll say so. That last three and a half years of the tribulation period are going to be the worst. And we're coming upon it in the scripture once we get past this midpoint, as soon as we get to that seventh trumpet. Today on Truth in Christ, our scripture says, But leave out the court which is outside the temple. The outer court need not be measured because it has been given to the Gentiles. Perhaps this is because the outer courts of this rebuilt temple include the Islamic Dome of the Rock Shrine, which currently stands on the Temple Mount and is a point of great contention between Jews and Muslims. The trampling of Jerusalem by Gentiles probably takes place in the last half of the final seven-year period described in the book of Daniel, chapter 11, when the Antichrist pours out his fury on the people of Israel, as described in Revelation, chapter 12. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study for today. In the day of battle, and in that day his feet, notice this, will stand at the, on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. I've stood on that mountain. I've looked at it from both sides, from the Mount of Olives over to the Temple Mount, from the Temple Mount to the Mount of Olives. It is an amazing sight. Notice what it says. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a large valley. Half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And you shall flee through my mountain valley, and the mountain valley shall reach to Azo. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come, and all the saints with you. That's you and I, folks. All the saints with you. That's you and I will come back. It shall come to pass in that day that there'll be no light. The lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at the evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And in that day there'll be living waters flowing from Jerusalem. You can look at uh, um, Ezekiel chapter 47. It speaks of water flowing from the Temple Mount in in the millennium, which we'll get to in just a moment. But notice that he... Now, when he comes down on the Mount of Olives at the end of the tribulation, gets, think of this, just practically think about this. You're on the Mount of Olives, and just across the valley, the Kidron Valley, is the Temple Mount, where there's this Dome of the Rock still there, probably the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and probably this third temple that the Antichrist is going to build. And just across the valley, there's such an earthquake that it causes the thing to split from east to west and north to west. 
Do you think anything standing within several miles is going to be standing? Do you think anything's going to be standing structurally? If it can do that to that mountain, trust me, when you look at that mountain, you think if that thing splits, like it says it's going to split, everything is going to be devastated. On, this, on the Temple Mount, certainly, everything is just going to be wiped. This third temple that the Antichrist put his trust in, see you, bye-bye, sayonara, see you in St. Louis. Remember Bugs Bunny when he did that? See you in St. Louis. So, now, fast forward now to the time at the end when Jesus comes back in his second coming. There's another temple, the last temple that's coming. It's called the Millennial Temple. And this is a diagram of it. It, you really can't tell the size, but this complex, and it's spoken of, you can read Ezekiel chapters 40 through 47, and it gives detailed account of exactly everything. If I had time, I would show you this video that I've got that some um, architects put together, and it's a 3D model, and it, it'll blow your mind how big and expansive this is. This temple here, this millennial temple that Jesus will build, will dwarf any temple that has ever been built. It makes Herod's temple even look like Romper room. It's huge. It's a huge complex. And Jesus will rule and reign. And so will David, King David, by the way. Ezekiel tells us that David, God's going to allow him to reign in Jerusalem. He's going to be the prince among them, among us, the redeemed. Now, there's a lot we could say here, and I I don't want to. We're running low on time. But let me just say a, a few quick things. This millennial temple, I would just encourage you to look at these scriptures uh, because there's more ink dedicated to the blueprint of this temple than even in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. A lot more detail given, even more so than Moses' tabernacle that God gave him the plans for. Now Jesus gives the plans. And isn't it, isn't it ironic that it's not in the New Testament book? When I read Ezekiel, I think of it, especially chapters 40 through 47, I see it as like a New Testament thing. In fact, it, it, it supersedes that, the church age, all the way into the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ, where you and I will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. This temple... Read it. It's really pretty fascinating. And you may be confused because it mentions sacrifices that will be taking place during this time in the millennial reign of Christ. Don't let that throw you. Because we know there are several verses. Hebrews 10 verse 4. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. They, they were just a temporary thing by faith. But notice, and, and, and now let me see, let me give you a shorter one. In Romans 6 verse 10, the death that he died, he died once and for all. There's no more need for animal sacrifices. Everybody will know at this time what Jesus has accomplished. Trust me. He died once and for all for sin. So what are these sacrifices that they're going to allow? It'll be for memorial purposes. As they go through these animal sacrifices, they're going to look upon and remember what Jesus did on the cross. They're not going to be sacrificing animals to be right with God because they are already going to be right with God. But it's going to be in memorial. It's sort of like why we celebrate communion. We do this in memorial. We do this in remembrance of him. It's the same kind of idea. It doesn't need to happen, but they're going to do it in memorial. Does that make sense? So don't let that throw you when you get to there. But I love what it says. Remember when I was talking about the, the Shekinah glory at the end of Moses' tabernacle when it was built, the Shekinah glory 
the very presence of God came over the tabernacle, so much so that they couldn't even minister because it was filled with so much of this, the, the, the cloud that was in there, so bright and so overwhelming. It tells us in Ezekiel chapter 10 and other areas in Ezekiel, I don't, we don't have time to go there, in succession, because remember Ezekiel's prophesying right before the, the Babylonians came and removed them from their temple. And Ezekiel says that the, the very presence of God, the Shekinah glory, little by little started leaving the Holy of Holies. Now it's standing at the, the, the entrance to the, 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 the temple, and then it goes out to the eastern gate, and then it goes out to the Mount of Olives, then it's gone. And why is that? Because they've, the people of God had left God behind. They were more, cons- more, more involved in their ritual. The outward things. But notice what happens in this millennial temple. Something wonderful happens. The Shekinah glory left on that day hasn't been back. The presence of God has not been back. But notice what it says in Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. Let me read it to you. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while. Yeah, it's been a while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, which may be an inference to Jesus in the millennial reign. And notice, and I will fill this temple with glory. And he's speaking of this temple we're talking about. I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. It's kind of interesting that the, the Dome of the Rock is gold and the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque is silver. Just whatever, whatever that's worth. Um, says the Lord of hosts. And notice, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So the Shekinah glory finally comes back. In fact, in Ezekiel 45, 43, excuse me, 43, let me read the first uh, five verses. Ezekiel speaking of this very temple. Afterward, he, the Lord, brought me to the gate, and here he's bringing him in a vision to this temple, yet future, the gate that faces toward the east, and behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth alone, or excuse me, the earth shone with his glory. It was like the appearance of the vision which I saw, like the vision which I saw when I came to destroy the city. The visions were like the vision which I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell on my face. Notice verse 4. And the glory of the Lord came into the temple by way of the gate which faces toward the east. That's the golden gate. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Once again now, the very presence of God, not only in spirit, but Jesus Christ will be there as well. Can you imagine that? That's just so ethereal to me right now. And I look forward to that day to see that temple. I look forward to seeing Jesus on the throne. And although it won't be, a, it won't be in, a, in a sense where uh, it's not going to be a utopia, during the millennial reign. It'll be much better than we've ever seen it. But there's still going to be war. There's still going to be skirmishes. There's still going to be problems. But there's one ruler on the throne at that time. Who's going to contend with him? Is the U.S. Senate going to try to impeach him? Is the House of Representatives going to try and impeach him? They will do nothing. This is God on the throne in Jerusalem. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? There's no interpretation of things. What did he mean? No, he's going to tell you exactly what he means. And he's going to rule with a rod of iron, the Bible says. And for you and I, we will already be in our glorified bodies. 
The same body that Jesus received when he was resurrected, you and I will have those same bodies that can withstand eternity no longer. And the rapture of the church, that's what happens. Our, this old flesh is put off and we're given a new celestial body like Jesus. Remember he said, you know, touch me for a, a, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bone like you see me have. He didn't mention the blood because the life's in the blood. And who's empowering him now? The spirit of God, God himself empowering him just like he's going to empower you. You don't need blood anymore. You're going to be flesh and bone, and you're going to have properties and things you can do that you've never been able to do. I'm wondering how far, how high, how high I can fly. I can get real close to the sun, and hopefully my wings won't melt like Icarus. Sorry to bring up that Greek stuff. It's not true. So anyway, that is the millennial temple. But there's, it's interesting. Let's finish up with just one more thing here. Now, we know that the book, end of the book of Revelation, it speaks of, and sorry to keep you a little longer, just a few more minutes. Once the millennial reign of Christ is over with, this thousand-year reign of Christ, there's going to be no more temple. Even when this current heavens and this current earth are dissolved with fervent heat, as the Bible tells us, in Revelation chapter 21 it says, because God's going to create a new heavens and a new earth, and he's going to create a new Jerusalem. It's going to come out of heaven, and it's going to rest upon the earth, and it's going to be huge. It's going to be about the size of the United States. <laughs> it's going to be huge in its dimensions. But in Revelation 21:22 it says, But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it because the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. The centerpiece of this new Jerusalem in this new heavens and this new earth is going to be Jesus himself. Is that exciting to you? It seems like a long ways away, doesn't it? And it is. If the rapture were to occur today, it would be at least a thousand and seven years from today. A thousand seven years. But you'll be in your new body. Guess what? No more hip replacements. You won't have to go to the hospital and get x-rayed and find out, hey, you got cancer. Hey, we got to amputate an ear. We got to amputate a leg. You've got leukemia. You got five years. In the new body, you will live forever. There'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. You will live for eternity, folks. And we need that body to stand in front of, you know, the Bible says that no one can stand before God and live. I mean, Jesus, people saw him, but to stand before God the Father, who is spirit, right? That's the Bible tells us. God is spirit. Can you imagine standing in front of that effulgence, that glory, that majesty, unspeakable, unapproachable light, the glory, the beauty, the wonder, I mean, all of that. Can you imagine? Huh. Completely undone. Only in a new body could you withstand the glory and the brightness of his purity. I don't know about you, but that brings a tear. But notice verse 2, he says, But leave out the court, which is on the outside of the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. I'll say so. That last three and a half years of the tribulation period are going to be the worst. And we're coming upon it in the scripture. Once we get past this midpoint, as soon as we get to that seventh trumpet, and the seven bowls of wrath are unleashed, that is the second half, and it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. It's going to be horrible. 
Thank God you and I won't be in it. If you're a child of God, you'll never see it. You'll be in the mezzanine rejoicing with the Lord, probably completely oblivious to what's going on underneath. I prefer it that way. And I think God would have it that way because he wants to see us as much as we want to see him even more. And perhaps the reason that this is not to be measured is because it will be built right next to the Dome of the Rock, perhaps. In fact, some people have done, um, I saw this diagram I thought was really interesting. You'll notice on this diagram that there is a shaded area right to the north. Uh, right in the center, you'll see the, the temple uh, where they believe it is or where it was. And right there is where the Dome of the Rock is today. But some there are different views on whether the temple really uh, was on the north side of the temple or on the south side of the temple. There's a lot of really cool stuff that I'd love to share with you, but we don't have time nearly to talk about even one of these things. But there's a lot of different views on where this temple is going to be situated in this third temple. And we really don't know. There's some very good um, guesses, and and part of it's because you can't do any excavation on the Temple Mount. If if, If you want to die quickly, here's what you do. Put on a Trump 2020 sticker... Put on a backpack, get out a, a, a chisel and a hammer and a pickaxe, and go up on the Temple Mount and start whacking away. Sign your will before you go. It's impossible to do any kind of excavation up there now. The only ones who are able to do it are the, the, are the uh, Muslims when they are um, inside the mosque. They're digging out stuff and they're throwing it into the, the landfill and they're... Researchers are looking into the landfill, and they're finding all kinds of coins going back to David's time. They're finding artifacts like crazy of stuff on the Temple Mount, and yet the Muslims claim to this day, oh, this doesn't, the Jewish temple was never here. What? Are you kidding me? Trying to cover up the evidence. Does it sound familiar? Trying to cover it up. So to do any excavation to really get to the... The real truth of this is impossible. There's been many researchers over the years, archaeologists, who've done a lot of work, and that's all that people have got to go on is stuff before they were, they were able to get in under the wire when nobody was looking, and they did some measurements, and they looked at things and made photos and you know, observations. These are the kinds of things. That's all they've got. Maybe sometime, and I think now they could actually, they have the technology where they could come over the thing with a satellite and take pictures and sonar graph the whole thing and see layers of this thing. But to do that would require a lot of money, a lot of permission. And believe me, there is a contingent in Jerusalem that doesn't want that to happen. The Jews would like that. Right here is what they call the Eastern Gate. The gate that you see there today is not the gate that the prince, Jesus, will come through in the millennial reign. Believe me, this whole thing topographically is going to change dramatically because of the earthquake and the seismic activity that's going to happen when he comes back. But right here, underneath this gate, I've seen actually photographs of a young man who was walking across. This is a Muslim graveyard right through here. And right at that gate, there's a lot to talk about on that, but below that gate, underneath the ground that nobody can see, is the actual gates that Jesus that were in Jesus' time. And the Bible says that he's going to walk through that gate. He's going to walk through that gate. And now, I want you to notice something, that when you walk through this gate, straight in front of you, my thought is, based on some other things too, is that's probably where the temple should be. Right from the eastern gate, because when you come out of the, the Temple Mount 
and you look east, you should see that eastern gate, the golden gate. And there are others who have a lot more. I mean, th- th- that was my thought based on what's all the research somebody else has done. It's just interesting. Some believe it's right here on top of the, uh, the, the Dome of the Rock, but there's very good uh, indicator that it could be over here. So they could literally build this temple right here side by side. And the problem is, is when they build that temple, guess what? The court, which would be this area around here in this area, would be jutting out in the way of the Dome of the Rock. And so what does it say there in the scripture for us? It says, Leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles. My, I mean, my unscholarly thought is it's probably going to be sitting right there, that third temple, at some point when they build it. They're going to have to. Can you imagine them tearing down the Dome of the Rock? It's possible, I suppose. Maybe the Antichrist can make some kind of deal. Hey, we'll give you some other place. It's even nicer. <laughs> I doubt that'll happen. We'll build you a big place, make the Dome of the Rock look like Romper Room. You can worship there. I don't think they're going to go for it. So chances are they're going to be building this temple right there. And the outward courts are going to be right in the way of this or it's going to be um, jutting out to there, right in the way of the Dome of the Rock. And it makes sense, scripturally. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, which is the court of the women, by the way, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, because it's in the way. It's in the way. It's right directly to the north of where the temple would be, and they're going to trample the city underfoot for 42 months, which is three and a half years. That's when the Antichrist makes his... Colors known. When he set, when it, up to that point, people are going to think he's just a great guy. But when he causes the offerings to stop, Jews, you can't do any more sacrificing. And then he's going to tell them that I am God. And I'm going to put an image in myself. Everybody needs to bow and worship me. At that point, even the Jews are going to go, Oy vey. What have we done What have we done? And then the last three and a half years, the worst in human history. Jesus said, if I didn't come back, nobody would survive it. The judgments prior to that were bad enough, but these last last seven bold judgments that we're on the verge of talking about are going to be the worst. So again, thank you for your patience. Let this affect you. Let this bolster your faith. In Jesus Christ, let it bolster your faith in the word of God. He has never lied. He never will lie. He cannot lie. He told you in advance what's coming. He has always been a gentleman. He's always told you things. Isn't that what a good shepherd does? He tells you in advance what's coming so that when it does come, you're not freaking out like people today. If you're not a Christian today, there's good reason to freak out. Wouldn't you agree? But guess what, Christian? You don't need to freak out. God has told you very plainly what's coming. We don't know the day or the hour, but it's coming. Be encouraged and let it, let it stir you up again and, and get your heart fixated on Jesus Christ. Not on politics, not on the news. Get your heart and your mind fixed on the word of God, Jesus Christ. 
Let everything else just kind of go, trust me, God's got it under control. He doesn't need you or I to worry about it. It's not going to add one cubit to our stature by worrying about it. You be prayerful. You be lights in the world. You be examples to those that are around you. You tell people the truth. Tell them the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. (laughs) Let's stand and pray. Thank you again for your patience. Father, we thank you for this time. Bless my brothers and sisters. Encourage us in the faith of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.